In this episode, Benedict finally reveals what he's been working on in the last months. It's an app called HyperDAC, and we're super excited to share and go take a deep dive into this app and explain you what it's all about. This is Contravarious, a podcast about Apple, Swift, and other programming-related topics. Goedemorgen, Bas. Guten Morgen, Benedict. Wie geht's? Um, I'm fine. Uh, I'm already out of Dutch now. Uh, <laughs> no, wait. Ik ben, ik ben well. Did, do you say that? No. Well, <laughs> I can understand you. Yes. <laughs> goed. Um, Heel yeah. goed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we throw in some Spanish as well? Uh, buenos dias, Bas. ¿Qué tal? Hola. Hola, Benedict. <laughs> ¿Cómo estás? Bien, muy bien. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually I'm actually doing fine because, um, as as you know, I've been working on this side project for so so much time, and I've recently started to share more about it, and I also started a beta about the side project called Hyperdeck, and it's very relieving to finally talk about this and do, that I finally reached the step where I I have people using it actually, um, and the feedback has been pretty positive, so that also makes me happy. I'm also so so happy to you know I've known about this for a bit longer, uh, and now that the beta is out, seeing how people react to it and just seeing it come to life also with the website uh, makes me very proud of you. It's it's thank really you. really cool to see. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I've, I, I wrote about this before and we talked briefly about this, but it was certainly an uphill battle because on the one hand it's something I do in this my spare time, right? So. Um, every like in the evening, one or two hours in the morning, one or two hours, depending on how the, on how the day goes, the weekends, usually a lot of time, uh, but it, a writing a complex iPad app with, with all these things in your spare time is still very difficult, especially because there are so many things that you, you would think are easy, but then once you start doing them, they are not, and then it takes much more time than you think. So I don't know the, for example, the, um, the input assistant, you know, the input accessory view. That's the thing that goes on top of the keyboard. And I, I would have thought that's basically just something very simple where I would just put a couple of buttons in there and then they're displayed. But that's not the case. It, it actually took me a long time to get this working correctly. And so there are surprises and there are lots of surprises in, in iOS development that I ran into that I hadn't thought about because at work, we mostly work on an iPhone app, right? So on, and on, on an iPhone, some things are a lot simpler than on an iPad, and and our app works on the iPad, but in a very simple mode. But when you want to support all the bells and whistles that an iPad supports, then you quickly also have a lot of complexity that I hadn't really thought about. Yeah, I think especially for iPad, that's true. Um, but time and time again, I realize that the smallest and seemingly easiest things are not at all the easiest things um, so something like you know supporting quick actions on like the the home screen quick actions like yes on the one hand it's simple but doing it right and adding it to your app in a way that doesn't add complexity elsewhere is not that easy and especially with ipad and especially with ipad os this year like you get like not one of these things but you get like 20 and like Everything you add on top makes it 
well, maybe not exponentially, but like makes it even more complex. And yeah, I've, I've come to realize that the small things are, are far from easy. And sometimes, I mean, oftentimes the documentation also is difficult. Um, one thing that I ran into was I, I'm supporting external displays because um, I maybe I should start with a brief aside that Hyperdeck for people that didn't look into and don't follow on Twitter and so on is a presentation app. So it's something like somewhere between Dexit and Keynote where you write your markdown and then you can add additional transitions and animations and so on um, with with a nice UI on, within the markdown and then you can present it. And it allows you to easily present code and present slides and so on, write them in markdown and it also works on iPad. So it's something between Dexit and Keynote running on iPad. Um, and macOS, uh, and so I'm also, I also have to support external displays, right? And um, so I initially implemented that, but I started off with the wrong documentation because before iOS 13, external displays had a different mechanism than with iOS 13, where you are using the uh, scenes that uh, UI scene that was into, um, introduced with iOS 13. And I hadn't really thought about that. So basically, I just checked Apple's documentation, and in the documentation, they the old documentation is still alive for iOS 12 and nowhere does it say um, you should use the new mechanism. And so I implemented this and then I was confused because it didn't work as I expected. And I started debugging and I was confused ever more. And then I realized, oh no, I've completely built this the wrong way. <laughs> and so I had to rewrite that. And uh, then I ran into more issues because this new way of doing external displays, for example, doesn't allow you to... Um, at runtime, replace whether you want to have your display mirrored. So basically, the way you compile your app defines whether you have an external display or you have a mirrored screen. You can't allow the user to change that um, easily. I, I now found found some way how that could potentially work, but it's all undocumented and very difficult. And there are lots of these issues where also the documentation isn't really helping. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly uh, like the thing I mentioned with the quick actions. I worked on a small iPad app recently, like trying to add them. And it's like the documentation for like multiple windows is pretty okay. But then indeed quick actions still talk about the app delegate, like why would you use anything else? And it's like, mm -hmm. well, but it doesn't work at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, adding like external displays on top of that, I can definitely start trying to understand your pain. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I can go on. Like one last tip to that. The external, when you have an external display, you want a moderator monitor, right? So you want something where you can see as the moderator, as a presenter, um, what the audience is seeing. So you want to see the current slide on your display and you want to see the next slide on your display. And I thought, you know, Apple has this great technology display link where you basically get a um, get a direct connection to uh, an, uh, to the external screen, and then you can display it within a UI view, and you basically see with the same animations and so on what's happening on the other screen. So I used that, and it worked great for five seconds, and then the iPad reboots. I think it's because <laughs> I'm using SwiftUI in there. I'm not entirely sure, but once I was done building that, I tried it out. Worked great. Well, in the simulator, it works in general. Just on the device is where it reboots, and I ran into a lot of these issues. And and that always sucks because you you develop some sort of you, you research it, you develop it, you test it, and then at some point it doesn't work, and you have to backtrack a couple of steps, and then you have to try again. Yeah, that sounds painful. Yeah. So there was. But yeah, go on. Look, Sorry. look, looking into you know the the nicer things like 
What would you say is the thing you're most proud of technically that you built in HyperDeck? Um, I, I think it's the the parsing workflow, um, that, or not workflow, it's the parsing flow. Because so when you, that that comes down to the tech stack, when you, you have this editor, so also as a brief aside again, uh, I, I did not expect the kind of problems that I ran, that I um, that I tasked myself with when I when I started with the idea that I had because the idea was that the text editor and the the displaying of preview of the slides should be like a IDE like an integrated development environment so the the text editor should understand what the slides look like and if you have a headline the text editor should know this is a headline when you tap on the slide on the headline in the preview the text editor should select the the headline so it should be clear what's what and so on and so in order to build that um, I had to basically there's now a small very simple text editor with search and with, um, with syntax highlighting and stuff and so on that's also part of it so as part of the whole app I also, also to build this text editor now Apple has UI text view for that um, and that works but that still I had to extend it in a lot of ways to accommodate these these additional functionalities that I wanted um, and what I'm I think most proud of is that um, when you take a Markdown app on your desktop, for example, there's Macdown, which is an app that basically allows you to write Markdown and then it renders it on the side. And the, the Mac usually is a pretty fast machine. Then um, the, the highlighting, um, so let's say you, you enter a character um, that is supposed to make a text bold. So what happens is you enter this character, um, then something has to parse the Markdown. It has to figure out what has changed in what you wrote. Um, and then the uh, your text has to be attributed. So let's say you make something bold, then in your text editor, the text should become bold. Um, but also in your preview, let's say it's a, it's a Mac app, you have an HTML preview. So in, in your preview, it also has to update the character that you wrote and make it bold and so on. So there's a lot of things going on with every key press. Um, and this process is really, really, really fast in HyperDeck. Um, you can take a old iPad, so the oldest I have at home that still works is a um, iPad Pro from 2016. Well, I also have an iPad 3, but that is too old. Um, but I have an iPad Pro from 2016, and if you type on there in HyperDeck um, and you do the um, you type markdown, then the um, attribution, the highlighting, and so on is much faster than if you use, let's say, Macdown on a very very modern Mac. Um, so the the whole text attribution and rendering of the preview of the slides and so on, if you type text, is really, really fast. And that took me a very long time to optimize. Uh, I had to, I think there was at least more than a month of work in general, that uh, probably more, probably two to three months, that I had to invest to make this really fast. Because something I really wanted is um, to be able to type fast. Um, because this is a synchronous process. So when you type a character, it has to do the HTML, the markdown parsing. It has to do the highlighting in the in the text view. It has to update the slides on the side all within that one key press. And if you do, if you're a fast typer, it should still work fine because otherwise your typing would be delayed and it would feel very sluggish. And I had a lot of lot of issues with that in the in the beginning. And um, I, it took me a long time to optimize the whole text stack to be as fast as possible um, to to allow a, a very fluent typing experience. That's that's crazy. That's awesome, though, because I think that's like you've basically mentioned, right? Like this is where performance really matters. And 
it's basically a core experience of your app and you can't really do without it. Um, but still like hearing that you've put so much effort into this, um, but we're able to realize it, I think is, is great. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy with the outcome. Interestingly, um, in this regard, so I, I had to do a lot of optimizations, right? There's caching going on and hashing and so on, and to try to figure out what is the minimal set of changes you have on your slides and so on, so that nothing else is re-rendered. And at the very end, so I would say three weeks ago, I ran into a issue that I had previously not seen. So I, I did a lot of profiling in Instruments app um, to figure out like what are the bottlenecks, where where is the performance being spent? And one that I had somehow not seen um, was a very stupid one. So, uh, well, not stupid, I, I didn't know this. There was a certain behavior in UI collection view that I was surprised about. Um, and when I changed that, the performance increased a lot with just that single change. And so I think right now I have performance leeway. So there's due to this change and due to all the optimizations I did in the past, it's very, very fast now. And so some of the cachings I do, I might actually be able to revoke um, in order to have a better editing experience um, simply because I gained so much performance, additional performance with this one change I did in the end. Wow, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> Yeah, so I have some leeway for older devices, which is also interesting. I have this beta now where people used it, um, and some people are using it on, I would say, pretty old iPads. Like you see the devices that the beta testers use, and some are using it on quite old iPads, which is interesting to me to see that it even works fine on them, because initially I planned this for the iPad Pro mostly. But it also seems to work very fine on older iPads. Yeah, that's that's great. That's very cool. Um, so. That's the, the technical thing you're most proud of. What are you most proud of in general about the app, right? Like maybe maybe it's the website, maybe it's something in the app, maybe it's something else. Like what would that be? Um, I, I think it's the idea that um, or the way it works with um, the mixture of having a UI for the markdown where you can tap an inspector and you can say, okay, I want this slide, the, this transition, but you can also type it in the markdown. So it's it's being able to, um, to tap through a presentation and change all the parameters, but be also the tools is in the markdown. And so you can also, um, you can also do the very same thing in the text editor. Um, this integrated experience of having a nice markdown editor that, that also offers a UI and, um, that I was able to pull this off. That was an idea I had initially and I wasn't even sure if that was possible to, to do properly. Um, and I'm really, really happy that it works out. Um, not only from the technical perspective, but also from the from the whole UI perspective, right? What it looks like, what it feels like to do that, um, and all the additions that the app has to make this a very fluent experience. I assume that this is also something that you've seen yourself use, right? Where you where you actually figure out a way of working where using both editors to a certain extent like makes your workflow the best. Yeah, I mean it's so I. My plan was a bit um, to use Hypertech this year for a lot of presentations and, and, and try, try it out, but that didn't fly because there are no conferences really where I would present this year. Um, and so I've mostly used it myself to do sample, pre sample presentations. So I'm basically 
taking a topic and then <laughs> I'm, I'm building a presentation and presenting it to my girlfriend because it's somehow, somebody has to listen, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I needed to play around with the app and I need a, I need a clear, I need a clear task of something to present because if I just create slides where it says the rabbits are nice, then, um, that's not really trying out the app. So I needed, I needed clear, uh, clear problems to solve in, in terms of slides. Um, and yeah, I, I've been using that, um, using the UI amenities to, um, to, to edit slides. And it, I feel that it works really nice. And now you have all the beta users that can also like, that you can also basically get an idea of what they build and, and how they build it and, and how they use the product. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've also been getting pretty good feedback. So, uh, lots of people came up with uh, also a lot of people had really good ideas. So for things that might be, might, I might add in the future that I hadn't really thought about yet or that were low on my list um, of possible future uh, features where the feedback clearly indicates more people want this and then I can reprioritize it, right? Um, until now, I have been developing in a vacuum and now there's more feedback from people. And so I can take that and see, okay, this seems to be what people want more. And so I can optimize a bit in this direction. I mean, right now I'm mostly fixing bugs. That is um, the, <laughs> the current state of the of the beta, and uh, some things are also very tricky. Um, I, I have one um, one crasher that is giving me a lot of headaches, uh, which is the um, when you use the magic keyboard, um, you have the touchpad connected with the new cursor, and this new cursor together with SwiftUI um, leads to crashes in some sort of cursor bridge that I'm seeing a lot, and um, it's. The whole stack trace doesn't contain any hyperdeck code. So it seems to me this might be something that is within cursors and SwiftUI, but I'm not sure. And um, I lack more data. I reached out on Twitter, but didn't also didn't get much feedback back. So it might be because there are very few people that have a production app with a lot of SwiftUI and cursor support on iPads. So I, I think the sample is very small. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've definitely chosen a like an app that does a lot of new things that that might not be representative of the wider uh, like apps at the moment, but at yeah. the same time, like being at this cutting edge is is also interesting and, and gives uh, or basically gives room for a lot of like opportunities to explore these things and talk about them and and share that knowledge and file some feedbacks apparently. Yeah, I still have to reserve time for that. I have a list of feedbacks I need to report and file, and uh, I I should take some time to do that. Some of them, I mean, I filed some, but mostly for Catalyst. Um, there I have a long list of feedbacks that also didn't go anywhere yet. Okay, so I, I, I weirdly have the same issue where it's like I, I'm like, oh, I have to file some radars. Okay, I'll do that at the end of the day, and then I create a reminder, and then it doesn't happen. Um, but then once you do file them, like it doesn't take that long and it feels pretty satisfying to get it off my chest. So mm. yeah, I've recently had some had some good experience with that. Mm. Um, you mentioned Catalyst. Mm. Uh, what about Catalyst? Because we've been talking iPad, but what about Catalyst? So the, I mean, before I started, I, one of my goals was this app should run on iPad and on macOS because I want to, I want to be able to work on slides and presentations on both devices. Um, I believe the iPad will um, will be a, a bigger part of the um, 
pro device, pro professional device ecosystem in the future, but I also want to use it on macOS, right? And so I could, what I could have done is basically build the model layer and and um, and a logic layer and so on in, in a shared environment and use maybe SwiftUI for the whole app because SwiftUI compiles differently for, for both devices. So you can define somehow one UI that works on both. Um, I decided to use Catalyst because back then I thought um, Apple will probably invest more time in Catalyst. The bugs that are open right now will probably be fixed and the whole experience will be much better one year from now. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, case case in point, there's uh, there was a bug in the Twitter app for Mac. So I'm using Twitter for app. I like it, the, the app. Um, but there was a bug when you typed a new tweet, um, it would crash. And this, so the why this happens is that um, Apple has a couple of processes that run on background threads that do things like um, check for auto-completions and do spell checking and so on. And these processes in Catalyst would run into a race condition um, when you were also typing in the text field. And this has been there for a long time and Apple hasn't fixed it. And Twitter somehow has a fix now. And I think they applied something that Peter Steinberger tweeted about, tweeted about where they, it's not swizzling, but they replace stuff at runtime um, in order to fix this. And so these are the approaches that you currently have to go down when you want, want to have a solid Catalyst app. You start swizzling and replacing system libraries and wrapping stuff because Apple doesn't care apparently, which is making me a bit sad. Um, in general, the, the app, works very nice, like Hyperdeck works very nice in Catalyst. So I've been using it for conference talks. I've been using it myself. Uh, I'm using it right now because I'm create, uh, I will give a talk tomorrow about Hyperdeck and I'm creating these slides in the Mac version. Um, so that works very well, but um, the there are some things that don't work properly and there I have to come up with solutions to, to figure it out, but I, I, I'm not particularly happy with with that choice, but I also wouldn't have. I don't think the other choice would have been better. I think doing the whole app in SwiftUI would also have been not have been a good idea, um, and would also not have worked um, for complex things like the UI text view with all the editing and the um, attribution I do in there, the um, formatting that also wouldn't work in SwiftUI. And uh, a lot of the bugs that Catalyst has, they are in UI text view. Right. I mean, we do have uh, WWDC coming coming up rather soon, um, so I'm not sure if Apple doesn't care. But like this, this is a it's a tricky beast, right? So let's hope that some things will be worked on or have been worked on, um, and if we're lucky, we we get an update uh, at the end of this month, mm. the end of June. Um, that either fixes some of these issues or like deprecates things and introduces new things and I'm not sure what we can expect there, but it would be nice to to see that. Yeah, I'm I'm slightly hopeful that the next macOS will bring Catalyst 2.0. So basically, we fixed a lot of bugs and it's a new version for the new macOS. I would not I would not be happy with that because I would have preferred that the current macOS already has these fixes, but I understand um, Apple is under, like all the developers are under a lot of stress because from one dub dub to the next one is just one year. And so you start working on this new operating system and then backporting all these fixes is difficult. So I'm a bit hopeful that the next macOS will have a much better Catalyst experience. 
And that also would mean for me that maybe um, if it's indeed much better, then it might be that um, the macOS hyperdeck requires the newest macOS. That could certainly be a case. Yeah. Now, oh, fingers crossed, at least. Yeah. Nice. So you're giving a talk about this tomorrow at Coco Heads, uh, virtually in Hamburg. So you still get the chance to try out giving presentations using the product? Yeah, that's true. And uh, I'm very happy about that. I started a bit on the slides already um, using the, the current version that is basically um, not the beta that people are using now, but the beta with all the fixes that are implemented already. Um, and it's great because I also found a couple new issues, right, where that I didn't anticipate yet, because obviously when you change something here, um, you might introduce an unintended consequence or something that doesn't feel right. Um, and so that's pretty good to be able to, uh, to use this for a through road test right now. And, um, and it's, it's, it's a, so far it's been fun. I, th I think that's, that's a great, great thing, right? It's fun. And I think that like, if you have fun, you can build a great product. If you don't have fun, it's going to be tricky. Mm. I think catalyst is the point there. <laughs> yeah, that was certainly less fun and. Um, and it's less fun. And I mean, there were a couple of other topics, most notoriously that uh, the keyboard. So um, that was a topic that was very, very difficult and, and not a single bit fun, which is um, the when you use the app, you probably use an external keyboard because it's an app that wants you to type long sentences and so on and a lot of text. So you would use a keyboard, right? Nevertheless, I have to support the on-screen keyboard. Um, because it, you might still have a situation where um, where you are on the go and you quickly want to type something on the on-screen keyboard, so it should work. And but but it's probably a marginal case. Nevertheless, it has to work properly. And the on-screen keyboard on iPad OS is difficult because there are so many ways that it can work. You have this floating version, and then you have this split version, and then you can hide it. It can appear again. Then in split-screen mode, um, it can appear in another app, not in your app. Um, and then you can obviously also um, move your app into a very small split screen. And if you do that and you open the keyboard, then your app has very, very little space left on the device, like on the screen. So it's, it, you're suddenly your app is taking up a very small corner and you have to make sure that the UI still works. And so this keyboard has been a pain. And uh, so developing that was already difficult, very difficult. But then it's also knowing that very few users ever use this, but you still need to support it. That made it even more painful. I mean, I, I, I can imagine that it's a lot of users that use it, just in very few cases. Yeah. Um, but I can imagine, especially the thing you mentioned, you have like split view, you have like hyperdeck, small, with the keyboard up. Like, what do you have left? Like, basically the, the original iPhone, if not less in yeah, terms of space? Yeah, I guess it's even less than that. I, I took a screenshot recently of the smallest I could come up with, with like all the bells and whistles activated, and um, it wasn't much. And I haven't even tried, so I'm, I'm not sure about this, but I just wonder if um, when you use a keyboard for a different language, let's say for Chinese or Japanese, if it, the keyboard has a different size. So if maybe the keyboard takes up even more space if you install a custom keyboard, because I think custom keyboards can have a different height. So it might be that um, depending on which keyboard I install on iPadOS, I might even have less, even less height for the app. That could be the case. Did you do anything special there? Like, do you then opt to only show one of 
like one part of your user interface or have you like optimized it to like always show everything? Um, right now it always shows everything. Um, but one thing I want to do in the future is um, I got a lot of feedback from beta users that they would like this to run on iPhone, but only for presentations um, because they basically use, they would do the typing on iPad, but they would then just bring their phone to a conference. Apparently that's a thing. And then you connect the phone via HDMI and you present on the phone. That's it. And so um, when you run it on the phone, I would optimize the um, the UI so that you can either see the editor or the slides. So you can flip back and forth. And obviously that would then also apply to the iPad once the screen becomes a very uh, this very small variant. Um, but I haven't worked on that yet. That is uh, still uh, upcoming work. I'm not sure if you want to hear this, but like working on slide on iPhone in landscape with the keyboard up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's mostly about presenting, not about editing slides. But I still, <laughs> I don't know what people want to do. I mean, as long as you can see one sentence, and then I guess you can type one sentence, right? Maybe it's I don't know. Yeah, if, if, but I, it, it becomes trickier by the minute. Right, but it's also a bit easier if you have a very big iPhone. They also come in a variety of sizes. Now, if somebody does it on the original iPhone SE, uh, I'm I'm uh, amazed. <laughs> Right. Um, in terms of like sizes and like whatever you have left, uh, you mentioned you've used a lot of Swift UI. Um, what about accessibility? Because like that blows it up like even more, right? Like if you have a small, uh, like a big text size, it becomes even trickier. Like, is that something you've done something about or? Yeah. So Swift UI is used mainly in two parts of the app. One is the slides. So all everything you do in the slides and all the, what you see in the slides is mostly SwiftUI. I say mostly because SwiftUI doesn't support attributed strings yet. So in SwiftUI, you can't have strings that are bold and, and, and stuff like that. What you can do is you can combine multiple texts and, and like append them, but that doesn't work very well if you have a language that is right to left, for example. So I didn't do that. And so instead, the text on these slides is usually a UI label within SwiftUI. So the, the slides are SwiftUI and for the slides, I don't need accessibility because the slides should not change their size if um, the user changes his uh, dynamic text size. Um, but another thing that also uses SwiftUI are these inspectors. So when you, when you tap into the UI and you say, I want to change the transition of this slide, um, and there, dynamic text is supported. And I tried to make it so that even for the largest variant, you can still somehow read it. But um, there are some size constraints. So some for uh, some words, for example, you only see the first half. Um, yeah. if, if it says slight transition, you might only read transition, stuff like that. Um, I tried to optimize there, but it's as a single developer, I have to cut at certain areas, right? I, I can't I can't support everything to its full extent, but in general, it works. Um, something that doesn't work yet uh, is I didn't really add accessibility identifiers or labels yet. So that is something that still would need to be done. And I, I have a task open for that, but there are so many things that I want to do uh, that I haven't had time for yet, because for me, <laughs> it's most important to have a, right now to have a really solid editing experience on iPad. That is the current focus. And there are so many other things I would love to do, but there's so much you have to do for an, for an app. It's, it's a never-ending stream of, of things you have to support. And I'm afraid this year's DubDub will introduce another five things that I'm supposed to do. So, Yeah, like you can't, right? Like you have to figure out what to work on because you can't do everything. 
and especially you can't do everything in a way that is satisfying enough and basically is up to the standards of what the user expects because um, that's something that I was thinking about when you mentioned like really optimizing the iPad editing experience like that also sets a very high bar for the rest of the app and the Mac app and all of that mm-hmm. and especially in that regard because yeah. you can't just go and release a Mac app that is less performant than your iPad app probably um, yeah I can imagine that's that's quite the challenge yeah Ex- and- like and, and then we're not talking about all the other things that are that are out there yeah, and uh, on the Mac, I also want to have a nice Mac experience, right? So it should have a proper toolbar. Um, it should offer the, the things that a nice Mac app offers. And um, I'm not there yet. So I haven't really optimized for Mac yet. What I have is the iPad app builds successfully for Catalyst. And there are a couple of things that are different in the Mac app um, to make it a bit easier to use it. But it's not really... It looks like an iPad app running on a Mac. It's not optimized for the Mac yet. I, I want to do that only after the iPad version is stable. So once I have the feeling that the iPad version doesn't really have bugs anymore and the, the, the feature the, the way I want it, that's when I will focus on the Mac app. Um, I don't want to work on both at the same time. Yeah, that sounds fair. Um, and with, with your experience on the Mac, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that as well. Me too. I'm, I'm really looking. For, so you can load AppKit code into into Catalyst apps, and that's definitely what I'm going to do. So a couple of things will use AppKit um, because that gives me a bit, gives the users a better experience, and then I can focus on in these areas and make them nicer. And I'm really looking forward to using AppKit again. Haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> How long has it been? Um, the last time I used AppKit was um, you remember at work we worked on a um, a. Git snapshot editor together that you could use. Yes. To, yeah, that was the last time I used AppKit. That was, what was it, two years ago, one and a half? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. And I'd also used Rust back then, right? Yeah, so that just, one also just used... like Just like HyperDeck, so right. full circle. Yeah. <laughs> at least at least you're not <laughs> at least you're not using uh, the git uh, libgit no I, I i do admit <laughs> i thought about doing that so one idea i had was that um the app has built has a built-in git so that all your changes are stored because every document is also a repository and then when you you can hit undo um but what you can also do is you can see your history by, by, by tapping a history button and then go back to this. And I still want to do this uh, because that would make a couple of things much easier. Um, but that is also, again, a lot of work. And adding adding Git to the app also makes other things tricky. Um, but I'm still pondering doing that so that every document is also a Git repository. Oh, that now has me thinking because you are using the UI document stuff, right? Right. Or whatever that's called. So you technically can use like another editor to type your slides for your app, right? Like can you like mix and match apps? Right, so that is untested, but it it in in general it should work. And I want to add some sort of viewer mode to the app where basically you open the markdown document in a different editor, you type there and the app just displays, renders the slides. And that's something I also have on my list but I haven't really worked on that at all. Um, it worked very, very early because um, the first presentation I gave with Hack Patek was in Krakow. And when I 
Um, when I wrote the slides for that one, the editor in the hyperdeck was still so bad that it was unusable. Um, and so I used a different editor and hyperdeck would just render the slides. So back then I, I played around with this, but I haven't used it again since. And I, I would guess I, it needs some more love, but I, um, that's also a bit lower on my list. I mean, if you have a great editing experience, maybe people don't even want to, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, it could be, but I mean, people also sometimes have their beloved editors. So that is another thing, right? Where if you like, like me, I like Vim. So if, um, if you use Vim every day with all the shortcuts, maybe you also want to use this for this and it should offer the flexibility. Um, but it's, it's something that I think is a bit more of a power user move. Um, and so it's a bit lower in the priority list. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. And then again, it's all up to you, right? You are you are your product owner. You are your designer. You are your, right. <laughs> your everything. So <laughs> yeah, my, my my favorite thing right now is that I have my own presentation app, and uh, so if I want to my slides to do something cool, I can just build it, and then I have this new cool thing for my slides. I mean, right now it's I'm not giving many presentations, but in the future, I can do all the things I want. It's the most fantastic thing to talk food for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so maybe, maybe something fun, uh, to, to talk about now that we're, you know, going from presentations to conferences, not really happening. Um, th there are still some conferences happening online. Uh, and I think there are some conferences planned for later this year that might be able to do some form of, of in-person conferencing. Um, and it was interesting because. I have this funny story about the Pac-Man rule. I don't know if you know what the Pac-Man rule is, Bina? No, I'm not sure, so enlighten me. Right, so I will I will still tell the story. Um, I think we've talked about this before, where TriSwift New York 2016 was my very first conferences that, uh, conference that I visited. And that's that's a huge conference, right? It's like 400 people or, or, or even more. And one of the things that Natasha mentioned uh, at this conference was the Pac-Man rule. And the Pac-Man rule is if you stand in a group of people, like with a group of people, always try to leave some space, like a Pac-Man, right? Like you have this, this circle with a gap. Mm -hmm. So that anyone that wants to join this conversation basically has a space to do so. Mm -hmm. And that's always stuck with me. Um, and I've always tried to, to pay attention to it and like if, if appropriate, like basically share that with others. Um, so fast forward to, and now I have to think, 2018, um, I went to, to Barcelona and I, this is somewhat unrelated, but we'll, we'll get to it. Went to Barcelona uh, and I gave a talk there at NS Barcelona. And then after that talk, we went for some drinks, like you do, right? Um, especially in Barcelona, that seems mm -hmm. to be the thing they do. Great, great drinks, and great bars. Yeah, so we we had a f like we had like one drink with like just a few people, right? Like, like I don't know, like five people. So wait, and you were five people and you shared one drink? No, no. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> I couldn't. So it. we're like a few people. We had a drink, and then like I was tired, and like that was on the Monday, I think, and on the Tuesday it was supposed to to fly back. Uh, so it was like you know I'm gonna head out. It was nice, um, and then I just paid for everyone because it was like you know it's like five people, and I asked like 
do you want anything else? They didn't, so it was like, eh, I'll, I'll do a nice thing and, and do that. And then I came back and they were like, wait, did you pee? And I was like, yeah. And then like two people specifically said like, hey, you, like that's that's not how you do this. Um, next time you come to Barcelona, like let us know and you'll get that hot chocolate because I think I had a hot chocolate back then. Mm-hmm. Turns out that when I was in Barcelona last year, end of last year, I contacted those people and turns out those exact two people that offered me the hot chocolate are uh, Josefina and um, uh, Faku, who are organizing or who organized the uh, conference in um, Buenos Aires ah. called BA Swiftable. Yes. So that was like a crazy coincidence, right? Yeah. Because um, I like at the time I was like, oh, there's there are just two people that came to came to this uh, meetup. Like, sounds good, sounds nice. Um, so it turned out that, or, or I, I chatted with them and then, uh, instead of hot chocolate, we went for hot chocolate with churros and it was super nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I basically realized like, Hey, these are the organizers of, of BA Swiftable. So we had a nice, you know, we had a nice chat, um, about conferences back then they were getting ready for, for BA Swiftable. I was working on, um, on Swift of Arrow, and this Pac-Man rule came up again, right? Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Oh, that's so great! Like, we should, we should give, like, we should talk about that in in our conference so that people can can take this into account." Um, fast forward to like I don't know, like a month back or so, um, and someone who's organizing SwiftCon Toronto, uh, Kyle Newman. Uh, he reached out to me and he said, "Like, hey, I've heard so many great things about this Pac-Man rule from <laughs> BA Swiftable, and I've heard that you talked about that, uh, and I would love to take that into account for uh, SwiftConf Toronto, whenever that uh, can happen in person again." And it's like crazy how, by some mm-hmm. you know coincidence, this rule has made impact not just on me but mm-hmm. but on others, and I think that's great. That's a really cool story. It's also um, a nice rule, right? Um, it's, I, I hadn't heard about that, but I love it. Um, because oftentimes you have the problem that you see a group there you want to join, but then you feel weird pushing yourself in between some people. And because everybody's looking inward, they're not really seeing that it's somebody, somebody new is trying to join. So I really like that. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's simple, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I would never have thought of it. And that's mm-hmm. the... That, that's the beauty of these kind of things where it's like I would never have thought of it mm. but it's 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 great yeah so maybe once you or we or whoever starts organizing a conference uh, take that into account mm. and it's also it's just in general nice to uh, share this knowledge so that people that form groups uh, form circles uh, just do this by themselves automatically yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not only about conferences, right? right. It's just about networking and, yeah. and things in general. Yeah. All right. Do we want to end with the? Uh, I, d- I don't know. I don't think I've told you this, but my my you know you know that my MacBook is starting to break down, right? Where like I have double spaces everywhere. <laughs> no, I d- I didn't know that, but I mean, it's uh, the thing these machines do, right? Yeah. Now the touch bar is broken. Oh, nice. 
like the the right hand side of my touch bar is just black and mm. i was like oh i'll just reboot right mm. didn't fix it mm. and then if i take a screenshot of the touch bar it obviously just displays like it works but mm. yeah like a good two centimeters on the right side of my touch bar is just black mm. <laughs> mine is also so slow I, I, and my new one is there i can't get it because of corona and uh, my macbook is so slow like as soon as i go into a slack call with with video the cpu hides lights up and i can't even multitask and go into a different <laughs> screen because everything is so slow and it takes five minutes for 10 percent of the battery to disappear so after a 60 oh, wow. 60 minute call my battery is empty oh wow i mean we are talking about slack here after all right but <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's so slow it's, it's but it's, if your macbook is there then at least soon hopefully. yeah i don't i don't know like the right now working on this machine is almost unbearable all right yeah but and that's so oh, i feel well. for you <laughs> is what i'm trying to say it's it's because right now with the corona situation a whole interaction goes through this machine right beforehand in the office you can you would go to a co-worker and you would go together in the kitchen and talk but now everything that is work like the whole the interface to work is this machine and then this if the machine is slow and crappy work feels slow and crappy yeah just do the the johnny ive parody thing where you just have two machines of everything <laughs> or three or four <laughs> right i would just order another one There's a there's a Mac Pro on sale in the next door here. I will, with with the Pro Display XDR SCS or what it's called. I will go there and just take it home. Expenses on the there company. You go. Everything fixed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. It was nice talking to you again. Um, I think just as our last episode, we have a meeting. Well, an optional meeting in five minutes. Yeah. So I see you there. All right. Okay, bus. See you. It was nice talking to you. And thanks to our listeners. Thanks for, uh, for listening to this. And uh, hear you hopefully soon. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.